And the Oscar goes to Parasite. <laughs> has six Academy Award nominations and is the first film not in the English language to win Best Picture, winning four Oscars tonight. presented by the good people at the Podbelly Network. My fellow Americans, we are fortunate to be alive. They need them to protect us from the number one killer in history. Protect us from the central university. A study on the wise real 290. A study on people who are called Hippocide. Like we always do about this time. Boom. All right, everybody. Welcome to episode 339 of the Arn Jacob Do America podcast. I'm your host, in the place to be, Mr. Jacob P. And sitting right across from me is the brown recluse, Mr. Art Trail. Art, say hello to the millions. And millions. Guys, what the fuck is going on? Guys, go to kmancoffee.com. Check out their entire inventory. They got the coffee beans. They got the hibiscus tea. They got the cacao butter. They got everything your heart desires. Use promo code America at checkout to receive 15% off. Tell Martin Jacobson she take a picture of herself drinking the coffee, wearing the sweatpants, drinking the hibiscus tea, drinking, just melting cacao butter and chugging that. Right now, Jesus also leads that one. He's at 17 cups of straight up butter. Um, <laughs> nothing else. Nothing but butter, dude. He's on a he's on a strict butter diet right now. Um, but yeah, guys, use promo code America at checkout to receive 50 percent off. Find that recipe at fucking Bumble or Rumble or whatever that fucking website is. Um, yeah, he uh, he said something about like some UFC fighter survives on butter and so he's gonna do it the liver king does it or something <laughs> it, he's the kind of guy who like gets like really you could tell like he saw like a liver king interview and he's all like i'm all about that now yeah uh, yeah yeah so that's where he's at in his Good life for him but as long as he uses promo code america gets 15 yeah. percent off he'll do himself a favor but anyways guys speaking of sponsors guys i need everyone to head on over to sucreapparel.com where the great and powerful Nicole Simibash has put together an illustrious array of merchandise for your consumption pleasure. So go to the website, check out everything that you like, want, love, or desire. Uh, perhaps throw in some stuff for Christmas time, which is just around the corner, uh, for somebody that you want, love, or desire. Uh, but before you hit checkout, guys, I need everyone to enter promo code Art and Jacob, and Nicole will give you 10% off your entire purchase. But Art, 
We're not here to talk about how fucking Jesus Fuentes snorts MCT oil up his nasal passages <laughs> or <laughs> how Nicole Smith Bosch has a lovely array of merchandise for your consumption, pleasure, and gift-giving abilities for the Christmas holidays. Art, what are we here to talk about today? Uh, so we're doing something a little bit different. Kind of. Sorry, I had to burp. But guys, this time we are, we've done album reviews in the past. This time, we, we wanted to try something new and do a movie review. Correct. And so I pitched the idea to Jacob, let's do a movie that we both have not seen. And I think the first one I pitched, I was like, have you seen the movie Parasite? Because I haven't seen the movie Parasite. And Jacob was like, I have seen the movie Parasite, but let's do that one. And mm-hmm. so I was like, okay. It was really, it was really like an excuse for me to finally watch this movie just because like... <laughs> As I was telling Jacob prior to it, you hear about this a little bit on the Patreon, but like, I even when movies with like subtitles are have like are like Academy Award winning, but Best Picture, all this stuff, I'm like, oh Jesus Christ! Like it's a subtitle (laughs) movie. Like I have like hardcore like ADD. I can barely sit still during like like you know a two-hour runtime not really like i i like slow paced movies i like different things like to me it's just like one of the things that has always bothered me about subtitled movies is that i have to pay attention and like read (laughs) along and like there i am such a sucker for like the beauty of like the cinematography and the music scale and the, the 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 world building that it that like the visual art of movie making is that like the last thing I want to do is be reading the subtitles mm-hmm. and hoping that the the dialogue lands with me, you know. And like, I think when you know the language, you can you can pick up on the subtle elements of like acting of like how a word is pronounced and how this or that, you know. Like, I can't imagine watching a movie like um like Inglorious Bastards and like um Brad Pitt's um acting like his the fact that he has an accent he has like a southern accent like that wouldn't work on subtitles like like you can't put accent on subtitles you know Uh like and like that is something that i've always like i not liked because it's like i don't know the language so i know i know even after watching the movie i didn't get like the full element until i have to go back now i gotta learn fucking korean (laughs) And like rewatch this movie with like a full understanding of of the Korean language and the Korean culture <laughs> to fully yeah. understand it. And apparently there is a lot of like you know hidden jokes that you're not gonna get, you know, within you know the scope of like the what's being translated or whatever. I guess yeah. there's like a lot of things that are supposed to be funny in Korean, and that you kind of get like that like that too, like in in like in the movie and. Spoiler alert, spoiler alert, spoiler alert, spoiler alert. Basically, don't listen to this episode if you haven't seen the movie. Correct, because we're just going to steamroll through some stuff. Like, So for like an example, like when I was listening to like podcasts or whatever, right? I listened to a podcast where like the hosts were actually Korean speakers. Uh-huh. And like they were talking about like, oh, an American audience or an English-speaking audience isn't going to get They're like, oh, this is a joke right here. Like um, a, a good example of that is like when the father... And the son are talking and the son's like giving acting lessons to the father, like when he's trying to, you know, get the job as the driver. And like the inside joke about that is is that it would be like Shia LaBeouf giving acting lessons to Robert De Niro. 
And it's just like, that goes over like an American audience's head because they don't know who these actors are. But the f- guy who plays the father, like he's like the fucking Robert De Niro, Marlon Brando of like South Korea. And like that son, like he's just like, he's not even from Korea. Like he's from Canada or whatever, yeah. right? And it's just like, that's like, like within itself, like a joke. And like the movie kind of plays off like, if you're Korean speaking, like kind of like a dark comedy, kind of like an American psycho, if you will, where it's like, this is some serious shit, some serious like, uh, social commentary going on yeah. here, but there's like a lot of dark humor within it as well. Yeah. Um, so I, I, the little research that I did on the movie, like I wanted to know more about the movie if we were going to talk about it for an hour plus, but like apparently like the whole movie hinged on that actor, like the dad, the guy that plays the, the dad role to like say okay to the movie. Cause if he wasn't going to say okay to the movie, they weren't going to make the movie at wow. all. And it was just like, he signs on everybody else can like we can figure out everyone else's role, but he was the the key to it, which is funny because he's not even the main character in the yeah. movie. In my opinion, I don't think he's the main character, but he is like so like the he, glue. He, he is yeah he's I think he's the driving force to like like the emotional connection to things. I I um one of my favorite movies ever is Taxi Driver mm-hmm. and. To me, this movie had so many things that were similar to Taxi Driver, because in reality, it's like the Travis character in Taxi Driver. There's no true villain, like you know, like in Taxi Driver, but at the same time, like the Travis character is not a pure good guy. Like he's not a good guy. He is a guy who thinks he's a good guy in his own mind. He is like this, you know, corrupted version of America, and I think to 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 what taxi driver is to america is parasite to korea like i i or or south korea cuz i have to admit like i have to just get this off my chest dude like this was one of the best things i have seen in a long time like i think in recent filmmaking like I think the movie Good Times compares to this movie. Um, I'm sure I'm, there's a few other movies that are just like outstanding. Where I was just like, dude, I don't even know if what they're saying is like what's being translated on here. But acting, everything about this, there were times where I was kind of scared that I was like, I'm not really paying attention to the movie to the to the music of the movie. And there are times where it's like, no, like they do a really good job of like like soundscaping things they do a really good job of the visual elements i remember as i was watching the movie one of the things i like picked up on right away was i mean i knew the movie's title was parasite one of the scenes that happens very early on is like they're fumigating like the the city whatever and like their house is getting invaded because there's like parasites in the area so they're like cleaning it all up or whatever and I was like, I, I already really liked that touch where I was like, oh, I like where like I like the subtle element of like these people that like later on in the movie become more parasitic towards another thing or whatever. And even the, even the dad was out yeah, even the dad was like saying like keep the windows open so that way we can get a free fumigation. You yeah, know, to get rid. Of, and it's like, oh, okay, like the double entendre. Yeah. Every, every on that, element yeah. of I mean, there's like all these little subtle and not so subtle things you know with the opening scene with the wi-fi where they're trying to steal someone else's wi-fi because they Mm -hmm. left their password unprotected type of thing and like just really good little subtle nods like that and then i went once you know the 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 main 
like place that a lot of these things happen is is the house like the later on we'll get into the more story elements of it but when they get to the house right away i was like the the house elements don't really make sense and at first i was like that's kind of a knock on this director like he didn't do a good job of like of like obviously this is the the interior of the house the exterior of the house they're all filmed in different locations and i was like it doesn't really make sense like the 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 like the the house and then the more i thought about it the more i'm like like there's like you go up two flights of stairs to get to the first thing you go two like you go up another flight of stairs to go to the second thing and like the more i thought about it the more i'm like it's a very like convoluted house like apparently that's not like a real house like no, they like, just and they like cgi the second story of the house and all that stuff and like i i the more i thought about it the more i like i love that element of it because like it doesn't make sense. Like it shouldn't make sense to your mind that they just went up two flights of stairs only to go up two more flights of stairs to go down a flight. Like there's just stairs everywhere. And that's the other thing that I was like quickly picked up on is like everywhere stairs. Like the, the family lives in the second story of like, they like basically live in a basement. Mm -hmm. So they're like, like it was just like, and I didn't know if that's the way Korea was. Like they're just like stairs everywhere. Cause mm -hmm. I'd never been to South Korea, but the visual elements of it that's when i was like all right let me look into that and that's one of the first things that somebody brought up in like a youtube video that that was like a direct thing that they wanted to have like stairs everywhere that it was like the the elements of like climbing the social ladder and like going Correct. down the social yeah. ladder and all these things i was just like i was like my god I, I was like dude i was just like in all of this movie while watching it and the more i found out about it i was just like i you know just you know I, 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 right off the bat, I was like, dude, I can't praise this movie enough. This is like mm -hmm. so, so good. Like, and when you pitch this idea, like you're like, let's watch a movie or let's review a movie we both haven't seen. And then you pitched obviously Parasite. I was like, yeah, I've seen this movie. But I was like, in the back of my mind, I'm like, okay, this is going to be either a movie Art really loves, which it ended up being, you know, <laughs> the case. Or a movie he really hates, because like yeah. you know when 2019 came and whatnot, this movie came out. A lot of great movies came out around this period. I mean, we're talking about, you know, just you know through the Academy Awards, you know, Joker came out the same time. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood came out around the same time. Um, Jojo Rabbit, The Irishman, and I guess Marriage Story, which won like the Golden Globe for Best yeah. Picture over this. You know, it's funny. Like, although I like Jojo Rabbit a lot. Like Jojo Rabbit, I think is like really, really good. Like those two other ones, like I don't think that's Quentin Tarantino's best movie. Like I like Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I think it's an okay movie, but it's like not even in like his top five best, in my opinion. And like the Joker movie, I always thought it was just like I like it. It feels like an homage movie to like to like Taxi Driver, oh, but it's yeah. but it's like the like less superior version of it. Like it's like here's like the the b-rated version of like the of taxi driver that's why I, I i always i could not get into that movie because i was just like i felt like i was watching someone's clear homage to taxi driver one, yeah. whereas like it was not even subtle in that or even like king of comedy type of thing where it was like it didn't feel it felt it felt too direct like it was not you they connected the dots for you on it and i was like that's why i couldn't get into joker I'm surprised I missed it. I watched those two other ones. I watched Jojo Rabbit. This is one I missed in in that year, and I was like, "This is by far the best of like all of that group." I, mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. I don't know if this one movie of the year, I didn't look into that that much, but like this was yeah, spectacular. Yeah, it did win the 92nd Academy Award for Best Picture, Best Director, which he, you know, the director, uh, Bong Joon-ho, mm-hmm. <laughs> I probably messed up that name. He actually beat out Quentin Tarantino. He actually beat out Martin Scorsese and Todd Phillips. So it was like a very loaded year, right? And here he comes, you know, from the left field and, you know, takes it. Uh, with Parasite. Um, this movie actually was premiered at the Cannes Film Festival, the 2019 you know, Cannes Film Festival or the 72nd annual Cannes Film Festival and actually win, wins the movie of the year there, which is like called the Palme d'Or, uh, which, you know, famously like Taxi Driver had won uh, previous, you know, um, Apocalypse Now, uh, another classic movie, also Pulp Fiction. You know, you know. I think that's like where people in America start to take note of, like the Palm Dealer. Is like mm-hmm. when Tarantino, you know, won it for uh, Pulp Fiction and whatnot. Uh, but it premieres and actually wins the Palm Dealer over there, uh, and that's back like in May of 2019. And then it kind of like moves, you know, all over the world, and it doesn't really come to America until October of 2019. So we're talking about like literally like the cutoff of like when, you know, movies can get nominated for things like Academy Awards and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And actually, um, like I had mentioned earlier, this another movie, Marriage Story, was kind of like pegged to be like, you know, the Cinderella story of like, oh, here you got Quentin Tarantino, Martin Scorsese, and all these like big shot directors, you know, throwing like their big, you know, box office hits, you know, yeah. out there. And here, marriage story is going to come in like, and that it wins like the Golden Globe, which is supposed oh. to set like the precedence of like award season. But then Parasite, like at the last minute, is like, oh, hey, we're here in America now. It kind of takes, you know, critics by storm. And mm-hmm. a lot of podcasts I was listening to, like it within that time frame of like, you know, late 2019, they all were kind of saying like the same thing. Like, where it's just like, oh, it's probably Scorsese or Quentin Tarantino's year to clean up again. And then, you know, they're bringing up, you know, Marriage Story and whatnot. And then they're like, oh, I just saw this movie, uh, Parasite, you know, by director Bong Joon-ho, who actually, you know, he did that movie with Captain America. Uh, 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 what is it? What, what year did it come out? Uh, 2019. Oh, okay. Yeah, uh, Snow... Oh, Snowpiercer. Snowpiercer, yeah. Yeah, I, yeah. yeah like, they, they were like, yeah, he, he's famous for doing that movie and whatnot, right? And uh, they're like, man, I really think this movie, it probably won't win anything, but like, man, it was probably my favorite movie of the year. And then like you progressively just hear like that narrative start to build. Even so much so that like Quentin Tarantino, who was like, you know, put up for best director, best original screenplay, all these things or whatever. He's like, you know what? Like I have no problem saying like this guy's movie is way better than mine. And I've been saying this for years. Like this guy, Mm. Bong Joon-ho, like he is like the new like it guy. Like, you know, all hail him, bow down to him and shit. Yeah, yeah. And that's how I remember this. So, yeah, I mean, I remember there being a lot of hype to this movie. Like, there was a lot of buzz going around. I remember my sister told me, like, oh, you guys have to watch this movie. It's it's so good. Just watch it. And um, I just never, never got around to it. Just never really, like, I, I in my head, I was thinking, like, oh, it's going to be one of those movies that's good but doesn't live up to the hype. Mm-hmm. And I'll be honest with you, for the first, like, 30, 40 minutes of it, I was like, this is good. Like, this is mm-hmm. good. There's, like, little subtle things that were going on. There's really three major acts, like most movies, you <laughs> yeah. know? But once it gets into the second act, it, like, fucking takes it up a notch. And then I got to admit, I actually think that the last act is the best act. Like, I was just like, this is... This, to me, that was, like, master class, like, directing. Like, it was just, like... like 
like just everything that he does in the last act. And I guess we can get into a little bit of of like the story itself and just okay. basically follows a family. I believe it's the Kims. Is that yeah? <laughs> so uh, it it follows them as the son gets a, a job tutoring a the wealthy daughter of a wealthy family and mm-hmm. basically gets that and basically this you know tries to get his sister into another role uh being like the art tutor for for the younger son that develops into getting the dad as the driver for the sh- for the family and then eventually that develops into getting the mom into the role of the housekeeper which is like I want to put a pin in that like that is like a really fun element of the movie like when you talk about a lot of like academy award winning movies i'm just gonna be straight up honest with you like you can put out like movies like the fucking english patient or what else what other ones have won like academy awards or whatever right later they're really like artsy fartsy and it's just like i'm not gonna be able to sit there like with like my friends or my family and watch this movie and whatnot right it's like you always got to put a thinking cap on or try to pretend like you're more artistic than maybe you really are or whatever right yeah but at the at the end of the day like this movie the first two-thirds of this movie is pretty fun and the way that like this these the the family gets the jobs at the house is fucking hilarious like Mm -hmm. aside from like the son like he gets you know the job as the tutor you know because his friend is gonna go you know study abroad and he's just like hey i need someone i can trust because hey which i thought was kind of really pedophilic or like here you got like this college student who's like falling in love with like this obviously like 14, 15 year old high school girl or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. And he tells the friend straight up like, hey, I can trust you to be her English tutor because I know you'll respect her and whatnot, right? And like he even tells like the friend tells him, he says like, hey, like, you know, I you know, I plan on asking her out once she gets to, you know, university or whatever, basically comes to age or whatever like but basically i have a hard on for this girl i'm gonna go study abroad and even you know the son he says like well why why me like i'm not educated like i'm you know barely getting by and can't you ask someone of your college friends and he's like no like i don't trust them like they're gonna disrespect her and whatnot right Mm -hmm. and then like once he gets his sister in like this is like where it starts to get hilarious but i do think that that to me is like one of the the key elements. The way that every single one of them, like, he gets in there because he befriended the that guy who like. One of the key things of this whole movie, and it's like this running thing that happens in that opening scene, is that they bring him a rock. That's like here's this good luck rock or whatever, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the rock plays so many elements to that, and basically that that dialogue happens where he explains to him why he's the right man for the job. Which very quickly turns out, like, already he's, like, moving in on her and, like, yeah. you know, like, it was, you know, wrong man for the job type of thing. <laughs> yeah. Then the sister's thing or whatever, like, the sister doesn't have, like, the, the art education to be doing that. She's winging a lot of it to, like, just, like, yeah. get into the door with that. Or she, like, reads, like, the first page, like, on Google, like she says, just to, like, you know, impress, like, the mom. And, like, I thought, like, it was funny, like, how the sister gets the job or whatever. Like, so I guess, like the youngest son of the rich family, like I guess when he was younger, sees a ghost and now all of a sudden like he's emotionally touched. And so they persuade the mom, the rich mom that like, Oh, you know, art therapy can probably help him because the son's like really into painting and whatnot. Right. And he, in this, the, 
the son, the Kim, son Kim or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. Says like, hey, you know, I know somebody at university that, you know, teaches art therapy that could probably help your son, which is secretly his sister, right? And like you said, she bullshits the mom and it, it's like almost like a genius. Like where it's just like she's, and this is like where most genius comes from is like from starving artists where it's just like, I'm going to bullshit. I'm going to fake it till I make it or whatever. Mm-hmm. And does a super convincing job that like she's this like art therapist and whatnot and gets in on the family. And then this is like where it starts to get fucked up. Where like the dad <laughs> gets to become the chauffeur because when the daughter <laughs> is leaving <laughs> the house, you yeah. know, after that first interview to become the art therapist, uh, the chauffeur, you know, offers to take her home and he's kind of being kind of a perv where she's like, hey, I can take you home, you know, from here. And she's like, no, just leave me at the train station. He goes, I don't mind, you know, working a couple extra hours. You know, you can tell like he's trying to make the move on her. And he goes, no, I said, I'm going to go to the train station. My boyfriend's waiting for me here. Mm-hmm. And then in a stroke of genius, she leaves her panties there. Uh-huh which gets the chauffeur fired because it looks like, you know, he's doing some stuff in, you know, the dad's yeah. car. And then, again, they do a recommendation well, for the father to come in. The funny thing is, like, it wasn't just a stroke of genius. Like, later on, the the, the dad says something like, well, and once the, once the evidence has been planted, then we'll, like, move into, like, phase two or something like that. Mm-hmm. So the funny thing is to me, like, I had mentioned Taxi Driver and how Travis doesn't view himself as the bad guy. Travis doesn't view himself as, like, the problem, you know. You know, he views himself more of a, a solution, you know. And I think that this family, you know, like, the what they went through, like, they kind of forge papers, you know. The, the son forges all these papers just to, like, show that he can, you know, teach English. Teach English. The the daughter just Wikipedia a bunch of stuff. The the you know and, and like planted like underwear in the car to like make it sound like the driver was like hooking up with girls in the back seat, and um, which the back seat thing plays a, like a big role later on because like that's the reason the the dad was like I don't mind ha- him having sex in the car as long as he doesn't doesn't do it in the back seat, and like you know it starts playing with like the class system of of mm-hmm. of. Crossing the line. Yeah, yeah, crossing the line and that element of it. But, like, you know, and then the housekeeper, that's, you know, that's the most key one because that one, they she's allergic to that fruit or whatever. Oh, peaches. Peaches, yeah. She's, she's allergic to that, so they're constantly, like, giving her, like, little flakes of peaches. to So she's, like, constantly coughing and, like, has an allergic reaction to that. Yeah, and so, they plant the seed that, like, oh, maybe she has tuberculosis, yeah. which would be unfortunate since she's the one taking care of your kids and whatnot. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and then even the dad like plants like fake blood in the in the <laughs> in the handkerchief to like make it look like oh yeah she definitely has tuberculosis kind yeah of thing, you know I mean it's it's to me it's like although it's it's very playful and innocent in the way things are going and it is structured in a very like comedic element to it like it has like this could just as easily have been like a like like I don't know some like slapstick comedy thing or like that's how they all get in on the on the thing, whatever. Some weekend at Bernie style movie, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it all gets played so cleverly and so smartly that like it's it's dancing on like the the illegal part of it where it's like these people kinda lied and like mm-hmm. the son like makes out with the girl and like you're right, it is a little like pedophilic, like mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like and and everything is like not like nobody in this family is innocent or whatever. And like, 
they're constantly going back to like their underworld at the end of the day or whatever, and then they come back, at, you know, to to take their to take on their roles, pretending to be something that they're not. Mm-hmm. It, right away, I was like, "No, oh, this is pretty interesting." Like, I I like where this is going. Like, mm-hmm. interesting movie, interesting dance between like the 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 their underworld and like their very like above world like mansion that they live in. Yeah, and I like too like. One thing that I liked about this, like a lot of movies that would like play with the fact of like, you know, obviously it's social commentary like on um, capitalism or whatever, right? And a lot of times it always paints, you know, the rich family as like this evil overlord or whatever. Like think of like Oliver Twist where it's like, sir, can I have some more porridge or whatever, right? And then it's like, no, you can't have any more or whatever, right? Like the greedy fucking, you know. Scrooge McDuck motherfucker or whatever, right? But, like, when you think about it, like, the rich family, like, they really don't do anything evil or villainous. I mean, yeah, they they turn their nose up at, like, you know, uh, you know, the smell of the family. Yeah. And, like, he does make comments of, like, you know, about, you know, later on, like, he's boning the mom. And he's like, oh, go ahead and put on those cheap pennies I found, like, in my car or whatever. Like, you know, like, there's some, like microaggressions but they never really do anything villainous like but to me like that's perfect because it's like the same thing is like that you could say about like well these people kind of like lied and cheated their way like they're not true villains but they're not honest and then on the opposite but they're likable yeah yeah on the opposite end these people aren't villainous either but they're also not honest like they have like this disgust like we're just kind of tolerating you guys like Mm -hmm. you guys are kind of gross you smell like every like you know it's just like you know, it, it it you know, it plays with this like kind of like weird like polar opposites of each other. Like here are the people from the underground, here are the people above ground. Mm-hmm. And like it's it's pretty genius the way that it's like, you know, a family of four meets a family of four. One of them is like, you know, literally like the 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 title parasite could not be like more perfect for mm-hmm. this movie, but like parasitic to this other family of four that's just neither of them are truly innocent but like like it is it is just well crafted up to that point but correct yeah yeah no yeah and I, I like that too because i hate it like when movies like try to teach you a lesson lesson and they do it like with those like extremes or it's just like oh the poor family like they're always this virtuous you know fam- and i mean sometimes that's the way it is <laughs> you know yeah. what i'm saying but then like you know the evil you know, capitalist family, the rich family or whatever. Right. It's like, like, but like when you really think about it, like even like the, the old maid and her husband, because that's like the big twist at the end is like this whole time that maid, she was the maid there at that house before that family moved in. She was the maid for the actual, um, artist who constructed that house. And she just kind of like, you know, continued to live there. And her husband who was, you know, trying to hide from loan sharks was in this underground bunker, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> because I guess like all rich people in, um, in Korea, South Korea have like underground bunkers in case like North Korea, you know, pushes like the nuke button and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And like that writ the new rich family, they were totally oblivious to that. And so she kept <laughs> her husband down there, hid him down there and, um, you know, would sneak him food and whatnot. And like I mentioned earlier about how like the son thought he saw a ghost, it was actually the husband sneaking up out of the basement. Again, that that, that thing with stairs, you know, that underbelly of the house to come, you know, get food mm-hmm. while the, you know, the youngest son is like eating birthday cake in the middle of the night and whatnot. So I thought, I, I thought that was really genius too. And like, you, you see like the two, like, you know, 
poorer families, right? The the old maid and you know the main you know poor family, the Kims, like fight that family to keep their place in line, you know, in the social structure of the home. And I thought like that was pretty genius too, because that's really what happens. Like you really got poor people fighting to chase you know that capitalist dream. Yeah. Fighting each other, I should say, to keep that capitalist dream. Yeah, yeah. That was one of the first lines where, like, the maid is giving the tour to the young guy or whatever. And he, mm-hmm. She tells him a little bit of the backstory of the house. And I thought that was, like, a nice little subtle, like, nod to, like, like what was going to happen. There's so many, like, little subtle things that just kind of play out, like, mm-hmm. as the story goes on. But, yeah. Also, the, the guy that plays the husband to the original maid is like creepy looking as fuck and <laughs> yeah. that was like perfect casting by the way yeah like he just he just looks the role of a even when they show him in like ghost form where it's like you just see the top of his head or whatever like yeah. peeking out from underneath the stairs and his eyes a little glowing boy. and shit yeah yeah i was like dude that's fucking terrifying and i didn't think like like shit the little boy gets like a seizure or something like that like, yeah like, yeah dude, i could i could i could see why yeah i almost had a seizure yeah dude yeah. that shit was terrifying but yeah i mean like that's you know, that's the big reveal. You know, it happens, like, around the halfway point of the movie where you find out that that maid who was keeping her husband living underneath the house, and it turns everything on its head because the family was kind of, like, having this celebra- like celebration party where all four of them are just eating and, like, drinking and, like, destroying stuff in the house or mm-hmm. just pigging out. They find out that that husband's living there. Big reveal. And then all kinds of hijinks happen where they're like fighting to who, who become who stays is like literally like who gets to be the parasite the to main this family. Parasite. Yeah. 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 So like they're fighting for, you know, the Supreme parasite basically. And then they find out that the family's coming back from their trip early. And dude, honestly, that was one of the most like anxiety inducing scenes or whatever. Like uh-huh. when they're like cleaning everything up or whatever, even when the little boy, like they, the, the son and the daughter like escape and the dad's about to escape. And then the little boy like walkies his dad, like, Hey, like I'm in the tent. Yeah. Or, yeah. I need help. Yeah. Yeah. And then the dad is like literally on the ground. Like the, the poor dad is on the ground or whatever. Yeah. yeah. And, and you're just like, Oh fuck. He's going to get caught. Like, mm-hmm. but, but doesn't to me, you know, this leads into like, you know, the, the final act of the movie. And to me, it's like the best act of the movie. Like everything that happens because it's happening, like during a big rainstorm in the, in Korea or whatever, you see how the family reacts to the rich family reacts to this like massive rainstorm, which is like no big deal. We're just going to fucking like have sex basically. <laughs> and then like their little son is basically just going to hang on a teepee that they're just like, Oh, don't worry. We bought it in the United States. Like, yeah, yeah. He'll be a, fine. He'll be fine out there. And like nothing happens to them. You know, like you fast forward to their home over there, like their neighborhood, which was like completely flooded. Like everyone's struggling to survive. Like everything's getting flooded. And like one of the s- most subtle scenes in this whole movie was like that, like, they go back to like get their like items or whatever, like their valuables, and and that rock is like floating in the water. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that is one of the most like subtle but like cool things because later on you see the rock again and it's not floating in the water, it's but it, it like sinks. But yeah, and it's like to me that was like genius. Like there were so many like genius little things that I didn't even like grasp like how genius all these little subtle things were happening and like. 
they get their items go into the third act which is like that big um birthday party scene i suppose and mm-hmm. like just fucking like master class it even doesn't even look like it's like filmed in like a different lighting or something like that like it's filmed way brighter than the rest of the movie is but that birthday party scene is just like so well done the way like you understand the emotions everything that every little subtle like hey that they stink kind of thing like plays Mm -hmm. into why things are going to happen like why the rock is there like why like you know every single element of it like finally why do you think the rock is there I don't know. I think that I think it's like the hopes and dreams of the boy. Uh-huh. I think it's kind of like a metaphor for for the hopes and dreams of of like people that are like struggling and like that one day it's going to happen and like you saw how like it you know to a fault it kind of becomes his undoing. Mhm. And like, um, it at no point. I mean, it's supposed to be like a good luck, good luck rock, but really, it like destroys him and corrupts him even further and further and further as as the story goes on. Like, mm. you know, it it's was nothing but like bad luck, really. That, I think that's kind of the metaphor to it. How like why it floats? Was it? So I heard someone say like that's like a hollow rock. I don't think it was that at all. I think it was mostly like just in that thing like he had to take the rock like it was just mostly his thing because later on the rock doesn't float like it sinks to the bottom and like mm-hmm. i i don't know like it's to me it's like to me that's what it is that, that it's like his hopes but like they're like they're kind of weighing him down too like his own hopes are are yeah. his own like demise i took it as like a metaphor kind of like for putting your again like your hopes and dreams into like material objects the physical objects right and in a way it is because like that's the rock that his friend gives him who also gives him the recommendation to become the tutor which you know sets the floodgates open for you know the whole family uh becoming the parasites to the rich family or whatever right yeah. and leads him down the whole road where it changes all of their lives, you know, at the end of that birthday scene where like Mm -hmm. the dad has to go into hiding, the sister dies. He, you know, almost dies, has a uh, traumatic brain injury because (laughs) the old maid's husband comes up out of the basement and smacks him over the head with that rock and whatnot. Right. And it kind of represents like the materialism, like the physical uh, element of it. And you mentioned too, in the birthday scene, there's like all this stuff going on. And the father, Kim says to the rich father, he says, you know, like, oh, you're a good dad because you're willing to put on, you know, this Indian headdress to, you know, impress your son, you know, for his birthday and whatnot. And, the, you know, the rich dad says, you know, oh, it was all my wife's idea. And he says something about how, well, it's because you love her. And, like, it disgusts, like, the rich dad, like, where he's, like, he get, like, his tone changes from, like, you know, being really jubilant or whatever to saying, like, hey, you're getting paid for this, Okay. Like, don't cross the line. And it wasn't the first time, like, the poor dad told the rich dad, like, hey, you're doing this because you love your wife. You know, and at one point he laughs at him for that, right? Like, it kind of, like, it. I know I mentioned earlier, like, they don't do anything villainous, but, like, at that moment you're like, oh, the rich dad isn't really, like, a nice guy. Like, he does all this, like, these things, like, throws money for an expensive American tent for his son, big expensive birthday with, like, a fucking cello player and hors d'oeuvres and all this stuff and this nice house or whatever. But there's not really, like, a lot of love there. There's, like, lust and stuff. 
but when you look at it, like the rich dad, he has all the material items or whatever, right? And even the mom, the poor mom even says too, like when they're <laughs> picking out or whatever, like if I had, you know, all this money, like this would iron out all my problems or whatever, right? But it doesn't shadow the fact that like there's not a lot of love like in that house. Like everybody's disconnected. The son's disconnected from the the rich son is disconnected from the rich mom. The rich mom's disconnected from her daughter. The daughter's disconnected from the whole family or whatever, right? It's just all this disconnect. Whoa, Whoa shit. <laughs> Speaking of disconnect, Whoa. Arch fucking chair was this disconnected. chair pops out. Um, but there's like a lot of emotional disconnect between the family, even though they have all the material items, all the rocks, even though like yeah. a beautiful landscape or whatever that I was jacking off to yeah. <laughs> like in the living room or whatever, right? They have everything material, but they like, they don't have like that love. Then you go to like the poor family, the Kims, like they don't have shit. Even their toilet, like is like in a weird spot, like where it's the highest point. Of the yeah. House. I didn't really get that either. Yeah, yeah. I was like, is that how it is like in Korea or whatever? Yeah. But like, they don't have a lot of material shit. But what they do have is they do have each other. Like you can tell like that family loves each other. Like that yeah. whole scene like where they're, you know, pigging out in, you know, the rich family's uh, uh, living room while, you know, the rich family's off to the the um, the camping trip and whatnot. Yeah. You know, you can tell there's like a lot of love in the house. Even like when the dad like pretends to flip out on the mom and the mom was like, shut the fuck up. I would I'd beat your fucking ass if you ever acted like that kind mm-hmm. of thing. And they all laugh and have a good time and they're all drinking whiskey and whatnot. But you can tell like that family hat, what that, what they have, the rich family cannot buy kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. And that's like what that, and that's what I took from that. Yeah. It's, it's funny because like, like everybody had like their own flaw, like the kids, the, the little kid who sees the ghost and gets a seizure, like his trauma is viewed as more like a burden to the family than anything Mm -hmm. else. Like we just got to get over this somehow, you know, like, why can't you be a normal kid type of thing, you know, yeah. that sort of thing. The wife, it's kind of subtle, but, like, she's basically, like, a stay-at-home mom. And, like, in the first time you see her, she's, like, passed out drunk in the in the backyard. And, like, they have to, like, shake her, like, clap in her face to wake her up kind of thing. And, and then it's never really mentioned again, but it does play to, like, the subtle things that happen to, like, how, how she's not 100%, like, innocent in this whole thing. Like later on when she's about to pay him money or whatever, she like takes like some of the money away from like the money she's about to pay him and like pays him less than like, like she originally had to pay him. Oh wow. And like, I didn't notice that. Yeah. Like she, she, I don't know. Let's say she has a hundred dollars, but she takes like $20 off and like gives him like the $80 or whatever. Like it's not all like not a hundred percent innocent. And the same thing with the dad, like you mentioned all these things with the dad just being like, not like, <laughs> not like loving his family and like you know just kind of being there and like you know just kind of going through the motions like they are a very flawed family like both mm. both families very flawed oh 100 you know? right so it, it, i i like that that like you know that it's kind of like this mirror like warped mirror image of like the upstairs and the downstairs one other thing that i i found out about this is that this was originally not even supposed to be a movie it was supposed to be a play and his whole thing was going to be that he had, like, this really poor house and a really rich house right next to it. And that's the way he was going to do the play where, like, the actors would either be in the rich house or the poor house. And I was like, you know what? In a lot of ways, like, he kind of succeeded in that. Like, he kind of succeeded in creating, like, the movie version, I think, is better, even though that other version never happened. But I do think that that was, like, 
creating those two elements of like that downstairs family or whatever and the upstairs family like just worked out beautifully and then to to you know to get to the ending of the movie you know all this chaos happens the dad kills the other dad mm-hmm. and goes into hiding which later on you find out that he went into hiding in the in the basement yeah and um the daughter is stabbed to death so she dies so really it's just the son and the daughter oh sorry the son, son and the, the mom, mom that are left and the dad is in hiding but the son kind of realizes that he's doing that whole like morris, morris code. code and realizes his dad is in the basement type of thing and, and hiding there and so <laughs> you get this kind of optimistic ending for a second where it's like well i'm gonna fight and i'm gonna like get a get a good job like go to university get a good job and i'm gonna buy that house and you're gonna finally be able to come out dad type of thing you know and it it gives you that for a split second only to show you that it's happening like the, the that like is happening like kind of in his mind and you see the shot of like him looking out that from underneath their their basement home or whatever which i thought was like fucking amazing like that was like the best i could have could not even imagine a better ending than than that like last like three minutes of that movie i was like fucking amazing that's really where i was like this i'm so sold on this yeah because it gives you the image of like the happy ending or whatever right but then it like snaps you back to reality kind of thing like where no that's not what happened but then at the same time it doesn't necessarily 100 percent take it away because you know you don't know the sun might be able to do it in the future if there's a parasite part two yeah kind of thing that might happen but we don't know but it kind of gives him again to play with like that whole play on like the social commentary of um, you know capitalism where it's just like yeah you got to go to university so you can get a good job so you can get this good house but now he's even more motivated because he has to free his dad from that basement kind of thing and it's just like I, I, I like I agree with you it's a really good ending because it gives you everything that you would want in a in a good movie yeah I think a lot of times you see like really good movies but then the ending fumbles at the end mm-hmm. and this one doesn't like it just lives lives up to the to the ending to the whole story lives up to that I didn't know this but like the end credits like that are rolling or whatever that song is saying by the the main kid the 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 English tutor kid. Oh, really? So that's him singing that, and I guess like the lyrics in that are like him saying like, "It's gonna take five hundred and fifty years to to save up, but I'm gonna do it." And it's like singing like this really optimistic thing, but that is like no mistake. Like I guess the director wanted that line in there about five hundred and fifty years because he like did the math. Like this is how long it would realistically take someone to save up money to buy a house like that. Wow. And like, and I was like. That's pretty genius because it it's it sounds like a very optimistic song, but I guess it's like very like out of reach. Yeah, it's like it kind of plays a little bit more into the story of how like it's it's you ain't gonna make it there. Like that dream is there, but it's not gonna happen. Like it's mm. just I don't know, dude. I I was really really impressed. Like I kind of said at the beginning of this movie or this movie review, I guess. Um, I I haven't seen that many like great movies where like I'm blown away. Like I think Dune happened a few years ago and Good Times happened a few years ago. And like this movie I would put in that class of like these are like really good movies. <laughs> like, <laughs> but like um 
even like Oppenheimer, although I really enjoyed Oppenheimer, I still wouldn't put like Oppenheimer in like this class of movie. Like this to me was like really amazing stuff. Um, I don't know, dude. It's 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 up there in like at least in like the last like five six years. This is definitely like one of the best I've seen in a long time. Yeah, it's definitely a really good movie. And I mean, I remember like the first time I watched it. <clears throat> again, it came out around, and to me, I'm opposite of art with Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. That's like one of my favorite movies of all time is Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And um, I know at the same time The Irishman came out. Um, again, I really like that movie. I really like Joker. I really like Jojo Rabbit. So like I, I was kind of like in that circle of like, man, there's all these good movies and like, oh wait, there's this movie too kind of thing. And I remember watching it. I remember we watched it on a Saturday night, me and my girl, again, with all the hype, you know, surrounding it and whatnot. And I remember thinking to myself like, yeah, that was a really good movie, but I don't know if I like it more than these other movies kind of thing. And that's always yeah. kind of like where I put it to bed kind of thing. Yeah. And that's always like your initial reaction. I think like when you watch a movie for the first time, do I like it or do I not like it? Kind of thing. Like you don't go into the whole, like, well, what was he trying to say here? Kind of thing. Yeah, I wasn't yeah. trying to Siskel and Ebert that motherfucker or deconstruct it, it or yeah, whatever. Yeah, right. Yeah. It's not until like you go into like the second or third time of watching something that you really do that. Right. And like watching it a second time, it, you do, you do end up appreciating it a lot more, especially like having the context, like you said, like with the play on the stairs and yeah. rock and, all those things that may have gone over your head, even to like looking out for like the hidden like comedic elements that yeah. you know you only get if you speak Korean yeah, kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Like you're like, oh, I get what they were trying to do here, kind of thing, right? And it makes you appreciate it a lot more. It does like move up a little more on my list mm-hmm. of you know movies of that at that time, and it, it's 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 a really good like ace in the hole. And I know like on the Patreon we were talking about movies like. Um, what was that other Asian movie? Oh God! Oh, it's a horror movie, but it starts off like as a oh um, romantic comedy. Uh, um, audition, audition, yes. Mm-hmm. Like, and we kind of played with it on this week's Patreon too, where it's just like we talked about like America, like America's biggest export is culture, kind of mm-hmm. thing, right? And I do think like Asian countries, like they are starting to put a lot more prevalence into entertainment and that's by no mistake either you know japan and they've been killing it for like a while right Mm -hmm. but like south korea there was like i looked this up uh friday night like they actually put a concentrated effort like the government right put an actual concentrated effort to be like hey how can we become a world power you know we're not going to do it by force because (laughs) you know we got north korea to the side of uh, up above us and then like you know our other neighbor is china or whatever right like we're not we're just like this small second half of a peninsula or whatever, right? Like, we're not going to be doing that. But what's the best way we can do it? Oh, take a page out of America's book and start exporting our culture. But what we need to do, though, is, like, modernize that, though, as well. And that's, like, where you have, like, a lot of things like K-pop. And, the uh, la- the I mean, the biggest TV show that came out the last couple of years, Squid Game, like... Squid Game, yeah. Like, like they're they're killing it. I mean, I mentioned this on the, on the Patreon, how Quentin Tarantino was saying... How, like, you know, we're we're back in the '80s as far as like movie making goes, where it's like we have the golden era of the '70s and that revival in the '90s, but like we've been kind of in the dark ages for a while because there's no real 
American director. Like you can't wait. Like there's no young Quentin Tarantino. Mm. And I agree with him. I I think he's right. Like there was an excitement when I was in high school when Killville Volume One was coming out that me and all of my classmates wanted to see like Volume One and Volume Two. Like we all were hyped for that shit. Yeah. Like I don't know if I don't know if there is like that right now. Like there just isn't like that. You know director that we're excited for right now you know like mm-hmm. some of the directors that i'm a fan of i can't think of his name the dude that directed dune and directed like arrival like i think he's really good like he's amazing i think david fincher's amazing like there's good guys out there obviously i if quentin tarantino put out a movie tomorrow i'd be all about it yeah but um i do think that you know they are at the forefront of like what's happening like you know we're 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 copying a lot of like what they're doing right now with like remaking their movies all of a sudden like it's just yeah. I, I don't know i i'm i'm one of the things that like really excited me about this movie that it really reminded me of like when i was younger and i used to watch like like on ifc they used to have pulp indies on on every friday night and like it reminded me of watching a movie like that where i was like this is like fucking like this is like real filmmaking. Like, <laughs> like this is like character study filmmaking. This is like, you got to pay attention to the, to the story filmmaking. Like I, I, I loved it. Like it, it really like excited me, you know, and I'm not saying there's no, like no one else is doing that, but this is, you know, it's, you know, what I've seen lately is like more like Ant-Man style movies. And maybe yeah. like that does not excite me as much to me. It's like, I, I, don't even really remember what the plot is to Ant-Man. <laughs> like, like to me, it's just like, this felt like real filmmaking. And like, I, I was like really, really happy that that, that's still out there, even though it's like, you know, not an English speaking like movie, still really, really exciting. And I bet, <clears throat> I'm glad you brought all that up because, I brought up, a, you know, about how, like, South Korea, they made a concentrated effort to, like, export culture, you know, whether that be through music and film or television or whatever, right? Because they, they actively put money behind that, like, saying, like, hey, like, we believe, like, in our creatives, and so we're going to, you know, back them, you know, however we can, mm-hmm. you know, to because we've seen, you know, in the past, like, that's how you win the hearts, minds of the world or whatever, right? Yeah. <clears throat> I mean... Let's face it, the rest of the world, they still are in love with things that Hollywood did back in, like, the 20s and 30s or whatever, right? Yeah. So um, they they saw that, and that's, like, where you're starting to get, you know, a lot of payoff, like, you know, movies like Parasite and Squid Game and the whole K-pop thing that's going on or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and it goes back to, like, the 80s, and I brought this up a few times, like, where they started to remove federal funding for the arts, like, in public schools. I remember back, um, back like in the early '90s, like one of my uncles would say, like, "Yeah, like they used to teach us like how to read music, I'm like, you know, like musical notes and stuff like that, right? Mm-hmm. Like that was like on a final exam that we had to take or whatever, just because it was like that was important. Art was considered important. Now, fast forward, like all that shit has been stripped away. You have to like join an extracurricular club just to even like get your hands on the most basic elementary of it, right?" Even me, like when I wanted to learn an instrument, I had to buy a guitar and go on like, you know, ultimate guitar tabs or whatever, right? 
Whereas like there's kids back in the day, like in the sixties, where it's just like, you weren't, you want to learn a guitar? All right, here, here's the class to do it or whatever. Right. It was publicly funded. Mm-hmm. And that's like what well, you had like people, like it amazes me. Like when I listen to like older music, which is like, how did they just know how to do that without the internet or whatever? Right. Mm-hmm. It's because like there was a public system that was saying like, Hey, like the arts are important to us. Right. And then we get into the 80s where it's just like, no, nah, that's not really important. Let's just teach you like fucking reading and writing or whatever. And if you want to learn that other gay shit, like, you know, you'll figure it out or whatever. Right. Or it'll just come to you and whatnot. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's why I think like you, you, you do see like a drought <clears throat> in that. In that the only artists per se that we have are kind of like people who are just figuring it out right and like we can talk shit all we want about like mumble rappers or whatever right but you got to appreciate the hustle because it's just like those are artists who are still trying to figure out their way without any formal education on how to do it right they're still getting over you know by their own talents and whatnot and i think that's commendable but it goes back to you know like i said about like the korean government you know making a concentrated effort like there's storytellers like in every fucking culture, you know, whether it be in South Korea, Mexico, fucking Canada, fucking France or whatever. Right. Like there's storytellers in every culture. If given like the right tools, there's no reason they can't make a parasite. There's no reason they can't make a fucking taxi driver and whatnot. Right. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's really important and not to get on a fucking soapbox or whatever, but I've always been like behind like, Hey, like, Anybody that any politician that wants to cut fucking funding to, you know, the arts, like teaching the arts in the school is not my friend. <laughs> yeah. No, I agree with you. I, it's hard to, for me to put like my finger on, on what, why, why we're at a decline. And I don't want to like point at like Marvel movies. You're the problem. Because for the most part, like I've enjoyed a lot of Marvel movies. I do mm-hmm. think that they're like on a, real decline right now like the marvel move the marvels just came out and like i don't even know if like i want to see that i might just wait till that streaming on like disney plus to watch it or whatever like well same here yeah yeah it just doesn't seem like i feel like this is the one where it's just like all right well you know you've jumped the shark and like it's it's uh it's you know it's over kind of thing for for the marvel era kind of thing and um and maybe that's a good thing. Maybe we can go back to like good storytelling, like m- style movies. Cause like if a dude today made a movie like, like Reservoir Dogs, you know, and like was a lot of dialogue driven style movie, would it sell? Would it like work in today's like style movies? It's kind of tough to say if it will. Like financially, probably not. But like artistically, I do think there's always going to be like that that space for it or yeah. whatever, right? And, like, I mean, you got to look at, like, okay, like, a movie like Get Out, right? Like, to me, like, that's okay. one of the best movies of the last, like, 15, 20 years or whatever, right? Yeah. And, like, it didn't kill it in the box office. I mean, sure, like, it helped, you know, raise the numbers for us and, you know, nope, you know, later on. Yeah. But, like, that movie carried on, like, because it was, like, just a good-ass movie, right? Yeah. I mean... Even even Reservoir Dogs, as much hype as there was behind that, like it didn't kill it in the box office. Yeah. Pulp Fiction, I mean, yeah, it killed it per se in like 1994 in the box office. But I mean, fucking Jackie Brown, I think, did better at the box office than Pulp Fiction. Mm-hmm. You know, and Pulp Fiction was a way better movie than Jackie Brown. I have nothing against Jackie Brown, but it was far less superior than you know Pulp yeah. Fiction. So I think that that's like that mindset too, like um, box office 
versus like actually good film kind of thing. And sometimes, I mean, there's bleed over. There's films like, you know, the Christopher Nolan Batman movies. Like those are great box office movies. But yeah. even like, you know, Infinity War and um, Endgame, those, those, those are great fucking just films in general. Yeah. But like, I think that's where like people get it confused where it's just like, well, Marvel movies are popular because they make a lot of money. And that's why, you know, the powers that be, they get behind those or whatever, as opposed to just making great art, mm-hmm. you know, like Taxi Driver probably didn't make a lot of money. You know, I don't know what the numbers are on it or whatever, but like, that's a movie that continuously, no matter who you are, is just like, oh, that's a good ass movie, mm-hmm. you know, that's inspired movies like this that inspired movies like Joker or whatnot. Right. Yeah. And I think that's important. I think we just need to get culturally like we just need to make more room for that again you know where it's like it might not make a lot of money but like we need to get behind it yeah i don't one other thing that like and i'm not sure like you know like i do i'm not sure where like like uh where this started to happen but like like I guess you could say like the Joker fits into this world, but I, I just I that's one of the things that I couldn't get into the Joker was like this is just like it feels like other movies, and that's one of the big things that like was like ah oh, man this just feels like too many movies like I've already seen before, but like the, the like the modern day like big movie that comes out that is like very story driven besides like Oppenheimer which did really well like. I haven't seen one that that is like like I I love going to the movie theaters to watch movies like I like the idea of sitting there and like watching it and I do think that that's going away and I heard someone talking about this because it's like if you're a family of four you're not gonna take a risk on watching you know like some indie movie some a twenty four movie you're gonna want to go see. The fucking like Marvelous. Aladdin dis- remake kind of thing, yeah, you know. Yeah. It's like why would Disneyland not rehash their old shit? Like it's gonna, it already has a a fan like base behind it. Like, and I think that's that is a problem. Like that that to me is like that is like it does kill a little bit of, like the creativity like levels down. Like it brings them down. Mm. And like I I keep thinking about like you know. I, you brought up Jojo Rabbit. I love Jojo Rabbit. This movie was awesome. Um, I think, um, I don't know if you've seen Good Times, but, like, to me, Good Times is, like, one of the best movies of, like, the last, like, 10 years. And, like, I um, I didn't even hear about it when it was coming out in theaters. So, like, I totally missed it in theaters. But, mm-hmm. like, it's, like, just incredible, like, some of the best acting I've, I've seen. And, like, I, I... I didn't hear about it. I don't know if there was a release at the, like theater. I'm sure there was a theater. There's release. probably like a limited release because that's yeah. a big thing too. Where it's just like it's only going to be like at the Arc Light or whatever. Yeah. Or even if that if that even still exists or whatever. Or like it's going to show at Edwards just one time, you get one weekend, and it's gone type of thing. Yeah, it's we a lot of that. Show Barbie for the next four months. <laughs> <laughs> but it is like that, like that, that delicate play where it's just like if you did put it like on multiple screens or whatever, right? Uh, would it even do good? Because again, yeah. like you said, like there's a family of four. Are they going to go watch that movie? Yeah. Can they watch that movie? Is there a cry room for that movie? I got a six month old. I can't uh-huh. just be that asshole that brings a kid or whatever because I don't have a babysitter because my mom decided to die six months ago. <laughs> <laughs> but like, you know, you know, you need, but you need Barbie out there though because 
a lot of these movies, these independent movies, they lose money, right? They mm-hmm. cost money to make. That house in Parasite is so fucking beautiful. I wish I could have that house. Just for like that view of like the the garden that they have. Like I wish my backyard was like that. I have like a little miniature version of that going on in my front and backyard. Mm-hmm. But that's like the fucking steroided out version of that. Like I literally wanted to go jack off to fucking uh fucking uh, bonsai monthly after that because that's how beautiful it was. But all that shit costs money. And the way that either gets, you know, supplemented is okay, either you're gonna have a badass fucking government like South Korea that's gonna fund that, or you're gonna have to have Barbie make up the difference with all the money it's going to make from that. So you, and in a way you need those movies to help finance these movies. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It, it's, I'll be honest with you. I don't know how like the film industry works that, that much into like how they, like how studios decide to finance things. Mm-hmm. I know like a 24 takes a lot of risk on their like indie projects and all these things that like, they are like the, the studio that if they're putting something out like a movie like ghost or something like that, it's, you know, it's not going to be, or actually a 24 did good times too. Like that was an a 24 movie. Like they take their risk with, with movies like that. And, and other studios don't. And I, and I don't know. I just, I don't know. And I'm not saying like, you know, good times is ever going to be like the yeah. the Avengers level movie and it really shouldn't be like it, it shouldn't be that yeah. level or whatever but like you know I um, I, I just I just don't want like true American filmmaking to like ever like disappear completely and us become like the the copy and paste Marvel Star Wars like Disney like recreating Dumbo part four or whatever you know like <laughs> I I hope we don't go down that level, but like, anyways, I think this movie, like, was a plus. I, I I was like, I really really liked Parasite. I was like, I was like, I can't believe I haven't seen this. This is incredible. Mm-hmm. It was like real filmmaking, like real like craftsmanship to like a love of a project kind of thing, and like. And I think what makes this a uh, special movie as well it was actually written by and developed by Bong Joon Ho as well. And because like when I was watching it, I was like, okay, like, okay, obviously he directed this movie because his name's all over it or whatever, right? But then you look at like, okay, who wrote it? What is it based on or whatever? And it was all like his idea. I think like when he was um, making Snowpiercer, he said like he started to play with this idea, and he was like inspired by <clears throat> other movies. Like there was another South Korean movie from like the sixties that inspired him, as well as a movie that had come out like the year before. That kind of and played. He a, was an English tutor himself. Correct. Yeah. So there was like a lot of, a lot of things that you know was inspiring him during this time. But so he developed a story and actually co-wrote the screenplay as well. And I think that's really important too. Like where you see like good movies come from, where like the director has his hands in all of it, kind of thing. Like a Quentin Tarantino. Like you know, like when you watch a Quentin Tarantino movie, this is him all over. He's directing it. He's the one that came up with the story, so he knows these characters inside and out. It's not just somebody like, well, this came from a comic book. I'm going <laughs> to you know, do my own thing with it or whatever and put in like a joke about TikTok right here yeah. kind of thing. Like, no, this is like this This is like this director's like baby or whatever, and I always appreciate those movies. You know, I know we mentioned earlier like, a, like Martin Scorsese. He's like notorious for being that. And like even when he does receive like a movie like um, – like Goodfellas or um, The Irishman 
or even the departed, for example, right? Where it's like these come from other things, from other works and whatnot, right? But he takes the time to like research them for like 10 years and like absorbs the material and like becomes the movie kind of thing, yeah. if you will. So like you, I appreciate that too. And I think that's what's missing as well, where it's like you got like the the Michael Bay's of the world, like, oh, just put a bunch of explosions right here and like some doves pop up right here and yeah. like, you know, some CGI, some Transformers doing some crazy shit and, and just put my name on it and it'll be yeah. good. Like, and I think that's what, and that's a big thing that's missing as well. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's pretty wild. Like I think, um, the Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse, like part two, the second, the new Spider-Man and whatever, uh-huh. that was to me like the best thing, like animation wise I'd seen in like, ever probably the be- in my opinion probably the best animated movie like ever made and like like you know that gives me hope because it's like you know we're still in the game as far as like the <laughs> animation studios and that sort of thing it was yeah. by far the most creative superhero movie i'd seen in a long time since like uh dark knight 2 or whatever like or the joker dark knight one like yeah 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 like it was it was really really cool that you know you know we're still in the we're still in the race but like as far as making like story driven movies we're really lagging like you know and i agree with quentin tarantino when he says like stories don't need to be convoluted stories it's like that kill bill revenge movie the killed baby i'm out for revenge mm-hmm. that's the story boom like i don't yeah. have a lot the rest of it's just dialogue like <laughs> i like that like i uh, this movie is literally like we need to get into this house Oh shit! There's someone else here. Boom! Like there's your story. Like there's not some like we gotta go collect seven crystals from like <laughs> planet Exegol because another demon. So, like it's like I feel like that's where like like the last two big Star Wars movies were like that, where it was just so much of like random gibberish because like something said like a thousand years ago and like. I was like, what the fuck are you talking about? I feel like that's where Marvel movies are now. It was like King the Conqueror or something or like we opened a portal to like this, but don't forget because this also happened, but then also don't forget that there's like a giant like statue of a celestial popping out. It's like, what the fuck are you talking about, bro? Like <laughs> they don't need to be that complicated. Like you no longer care at some point where it's just like too yeah. much bullshit. Too much to keep track of. Yeah. It, yeah. yeah. I don't know. Just, yeah. I think you said it once we talked about, I think you talked about like how they do this in wrestling where like, they like you keep coming back because like the storyline is there or whatever, mm-hmm. and I was like, oh man, that doesn't sound good. But like, I feel like that's now I see it, and I'm like, like the Marvels or something like that. Like I'm just like that's that does feel like the death nail to like like will I be interested? I mean, it's gonna take like Blade or something to come out for me to be like, <laughs> yeah. But that's the important part, though, because like yeah, in wrestling, though, like the story keeps going. It's a never-ending story, yeah. But it has to be good, right? Like yeah. you can't just be like, well, there is a story. No, it has to be a good story. You have to care. That's why mm-hmm. wrestlers in real life get fired and let go, and they stop stories and whatever. Or sometimes wrestlers die. You know, you got to mm-hmm. stop the story or whatever, right? But if it's a good storyline, I mean, Ric Flair. He's been telling a story across like six different promotions. I mean, The Undertaker's been telling his story since fucking the 80s. Like, it's a never-ending story. And like, if it's a good story, you keep coming back for more kind of things. So, yeah. But anyways, at the end of the day, Parasite, good story. Good story, <laughs> yes, definitely good story. Yeah, so anything else you want to add? No, that's it. That's all I got. 
go go watch Parasite. So, uh, with that said, guys, uh, go ahead and uh, give us your thoughts and opinions on Parasite on all the social medias at Art and Jacob Do America, except for t- X. I was going to say Twitter. X. We are at Art and Jacob Do A One because goddamn son, that's just how a steak is done. Uh, if you want to help support this podcast, guys, I highly recommend heading on over to the Patreon over at patreon.com slash America, where every single week we put together a bonus episode uh, for your listening pleasure. Um, this week we got a little bit deep. Uh, we were talking about our stressful-ass work week <laughs> and our lives that are, you know, fucking stressful, but we talk about how to overcome that, so give you some good therapy advice, I guess you could say, over there. Um, and nine times out of ten, the episodes that you hear over on the Patreon are back better than the actual episodes that you're hearing today for free. So if you like us here... You'll probably love us over there. I guarantee it. If you want to help support us in any other way, guys, I highly recommend hanging on over to the website, arnjacobdoomerica.com. Follow the merch links where we currently have four designs up for your purchasing pleasure. And it's not so much to help us monetarily as we probably see 50 cents if you buy like $100 worth of fucking merchandise or whatnot. Uh, But it's not so much to help us monetarily as it's more or less a tool uh, to help... um, promote this podcast so uh, if you're in south korea at some film festival uh, that bong joon ho is putting together you wear our jacob do america t-shirt maybe a little listen to this podcast help increase our listenership uh, that would help us greatly and we fucking need it right now because god damn it like the last two weeks we've been running into technical difficulties like that first week with vincent how that like the computer just shut off and shit yeah i don't know what the fuck's going on if it's a computer if it's a fucking camera the ghost, the spirit that follows Vincent around. Dude. Yeah, probably. He probably stuck around too because last week we lost our whole fucking YouTube video. So I apologize for that. If you're a faithful watcher of the YouTube, all four of you. <laughs> uh, but it pissed me the fuck off. Uh, increased my cortisol levels and whatnot. But um, give me a couple more grays. Uh, but yeah, uh, support us so that way I can buy maybe a new computer or a new camera. I don't know what the fucking answer is. Hopefully this week all the problems just take care of themselves by restarting my computer. <laughs> but anyways, uh, if you want to hear other great podcasts, guys, I highly recommend heading over to podbelly.com. We are your official members of the Podbelly Network. Uh, check out our boys over at the world-famous Sofa King Podcast, who is all who have also been experiencing some fucking technical Damn. difficulties. Maybe it's the ghost of Kevin McCarthy uh, coming down and fucking around with all the podcasts or whatever, but who knows. Uh, but check them out. Support them. They need it as well as uh, Hillbilly Horror Stories and the Robots Bro. But with that said, guys, I'm out. I need to drink some water. My mouth is dry as fuck like I just smoked a sack of weed or whatever, right? Dude, I, I woke up with my mouth super dry as morning. Yeah, that's weird. It was weird, dude. I was like, ah. Like, Can't I, really blame I, the weather because it's been nice and like damp and chilly and shit. Yeah. So. But, but you know what? When it cools down, I, at least I tend to drink less water because I'm like, oh, I'm not, it's not hot outside. So maybe just not drinking enough water right now. Maybe. Maybe that's what it is. My skin gets a little drier, too. So. Yeah. yeah. Anytime the weather changes, my skin gets dry. Whether it turns from cold to hot or from hot to cold, my skin just gets really dry into, like, moisturized as fuck, dude. Oh, shit. Yeah. Well, weird. on that note, goodbye and good night. Good night. <laughs>